Yo, and welcome into week six of pre-gaming the SEC. Jacob Hester, Chris Doring, and the Big Turt back again with you here. Thank you for listening on Apple, Spotify, however you're taking in this podcast. Maybe you're watching on YouTube. Maybe you're listening on SiriusXM, SEC Radio, Channel 374, however you're taking in today's show. We are glad to have you with us again for another week of pre-gaming the SEC. Christopher, Paul, Doring, how the hell are you, sir? Oh, man, I'm good. I've, uh, we've been warned by Big Terp that, you know, in times past where Florida and LSU <laughs> – have lost in the same weekend that, yeah. you know, we've uh, maybe focused a little too much on that and we have uh, gone a little too long. So we'll mm. try to limit some of our counseling sessions that uh, we've had to go through together, but I'm doing well. Otherwise, man, I'm excited for week six <laughs> and man, it's hard to believe, man. The season's flying by, isn't it? <laughs> it is Chris Doring. It is flying by. It is something that you point out to us often, but I agree with you. I agree with you. It is is going far it too fast. It was weird, wasn't it, with the way the schedule lined up where there's five Saturdays in September, so you're yeah. you're already that deep in it before the calendar even changes? Yeah, you and I were actually talking about it on off-campus earlier. The sad part about our two schools, and again, we're not trying to have another therapy session here, but out of national contention, irrelevant nationally before the end of September. There's only one, one of us that, that was hurt. really... <laughs> in the mix. So you got choked up about Florida's I, I chances did. to be relevant nationally? I, I had a little, I think it might have been a flax seed went down my throat here. I had a little granola <laughs> before the show, but I uh, only one of us really had any sort of yeah, thoughts of I'm just saying. national uh, contendership going on this year, and that would not be me. Yeah, I know, but obviously, like the two schools that we played at, I mean, year in and year out, typically in that conversation, but it's okay. It's okay. I say that because I'm going to try to get some of my therapy out here with our first segment, and we'll start it off like we do every single week with Hold My Beer. Because my Hold My Beer is going to be a good Hold My Beer and a bad Hold My Beer. Uh, the good Hold My Beer, I think, was the offense that was played in Oxford, Mississippi last weekend. Both teams, Jackson Dart leading Ole Miss, Jaden Daniels leading LSU as two offensive players we can truly appreciate the track meet that was. They were going score for score, play for play. And Jackson Dart, at the end of the day, he makes a place he had to make to lead yeah. his team to victory. That's the good hold my beer. Well, the bad hold my beer was, do you think you've seen bad defense? Well, just wait, because both of these teams, Ole Miss and LSU, are going to be offensive on the defensive side of the football. And they certainly were that where do we start uh, coverages busted you got 10 guys playing man one guy playing zone you've got poor tackling you've got no attention to detail uh you're not really getting after the quarterback on either side and so like for me i love offense i played running back cd you played receiver i can appreciate the track meet that was but it was also hard to stomach that tape watching some of those defensive players go out there and play almost to styles that I don't know. It was like you weren't interested. Yeah. Like, it, like it was just like the lack of focus that was in both of the game plans defensively. And Matt House and Pete Golding, the respected defensive coordinators for both those schools, two of the five highest paid, I believe, in all of college football, making over $2 million a year. That was not something I expected. I expected it to be an offensive game, but I didn't expect it to be last one has the ball because you literally can't get a stop. 
Yeah, you know, I, I said this on our show on the SEC Network on Saturday night, and and I firmly believe it. Like, you know, there are there are teams that that rely on winning games by scoring, and you just have to get stops at the right time. I thought early in the game that it was LSU that was getting more stops at the right time than it was Ole Miss. And, and when I say stops, I mean, hey, not letting them score touchdowns, making yeah. them kick field goals. And, and there were multiple times where the Ole Miss offense was not holding serve. Uh, but then in the end, the fourth quarter, four possessions for LSU, Ole Miss gets three stops. They get the yeah. final two possessions uh, of the game. Uh, they get stops on the LSU offense. They're down 49-40 and find a way to win that ball game in the fourth quarter when it doesn't look good. So I'm with you. There was some bad defense played in that game, but Ole Miss got the defensive stops when they needed to at the right time. And if you're able to score as much as they were, then then that's good defense, I guess. But the problem is, is you go back a week ago and they only scored 10 points. Yeah. Um, you know, what can we really trust from the, uh, from the Ole Miss offense? I think that's something we're going to try to figure out as we go forward in the month of October. Yeah, and you know, even when LSU did get stops like fourth down in the middle of the field, they weren't able to turn that into points. And so, you know, it's a great point that you bring up. Like, you know, you didn't look great doing it, maybe, but you found enough stops in the game to be able to go out there and win the game. LSU throws it into the end zone, final play of the game. They have a receiver. Looks like maybe he can come down with it, but still you found a way to end up with more points in LSU after being down nine, and it looked bleak. It looked bleak for your team because of the way LSU had been playing offense, and so a lot happened in that game in Oxford. Yeah, my whole my beer has to do with Texas A&M, and uh, there's three different folks looking at each other saying, hey, hold my beer. And when I say folks, I mean units because the offense, yeah. the defense, the special teams all got into the scoring action on Saturday against Arkansas, and they were largely yeah. big plays that were being made, a couple big pass plays. From Max Johnson uh, led to, to some scores. Uh, defensively, you get the tip ball that, that gets intercepted, and then you get the 82-yard Anias uh, Smith uh, return for the touchdown. So yeah. it, it, I think it, it was a really complete game. And um, I, I credit to uh, A&M for what they've done since that loss to Miami. I think you know there were a lot of us that were cautiously optimistic about yeah. this Aggie team in the in the offseason, and then as soon as they looked as bad as they did down in Coral Gables, we were all jumping ship like it was on fire. And um, for them to be able to rally the troops and not panic too much, I think is pretty impressive, yeah. especially losing their starting quarterback the way they did in Connor Wegman. So uh, impressed with all three phases and really feeling optimistic about them going forward. Yeah, we talked about what a luxury it was for them to have Max Johnson back there with so many SEC starts and so much success in the SEC, I think like over 40 touchdowns, like seven interceptions or something crazy like that in his SEC career. So the fact that they had him ready to go and he had a good game again against Arkansas. So that was certainly something where you saw all three phases of A&M. And I actually feel like the score probably wasn't even indicative of what the, the game felt like. Like it never felt like A&M was threatened by Arkansas. And that game always gets weird, but yeah. A&M didn't allow it. It started to. It started to. You come out right out of the yeah, locker room, you throw a pick six on what the first or second play of the game. And, and, you turn the ball over, I think, twice in, in your first two or three possessions of that third quarter. So it started to get weird, but uh, A&M able to stabilize, tighten those lug nuts, got yeah. things back on track, and and rode to what seemed like a pretty easy easy win for the, uh, for the Ags. 
Yeah, and we'll preview that game they've got coming up against Alabama later on when we pregame in the pregaming portion of pregaming the SEC. Before we go to last call, I want to tell you about our friends over at Richards Honda. Go to the website, richardshonda.com. There you can do it all. You can find all the new vehicles, also their pre-owned vehicles. You can find the specials that they've got going on right now over at Richards Honda. And we tell you every single week, doesn't matter what your lifestyle calls for. If you need something bigger, they've got the Odyssey. So Certainly, they've got the CRV. If you're looking for a midsize SUV, they have that in the hybrid. Remember that as well. They've got the pilot. They've got the passport. They've got something for everybody. Sedans, trucks, you name it. They've got it. Richard Tonda, home of the warm and fuzzy feeling. All right. Now it is time to go to last call. Last call is where we look back. One maybe final thought on the week that was week number five of the college football season here in the SEC. And my last call is going to go out to Mizzou and Kentucky. You have handled business to this point. A lot of people wondering, when are you going to have the slip up? When are you going to not show up? When are you going to have the disappointing loss? And they did not allow that to happen. You have Missouri taking care of Vanderbilt. You've got Kentucky taking care of Florida. And they continue to stack victories. Even in the Memphis game, a lot of people thought, man, here's where Missouri's going to slip up. They got the big win against Kansas State, the 60-plus yard field goal, and they handle business in yeah. that game against Memphis, and they continue to do that. And you've got tests this weekend, right? Missouri's got LSU at home. Kentucky's got Georgia on the road. Huge test. But I want to give them a shout-out here in last call because that was one of my biggest takeaways from last week was they continue to handle their business and especially CD in the games that they're supposed to go out there and handle their business. No doubt. Yeah. Surprising to see that there's only three undefeated teams in the conference and even more su surprising to see that they live on the sec East side of things. Yeah. So um, for, for yeah. me, you know, CD, said, real quick, before yeah. you get yours, I want a real quick question on uh, Kentucky, Missouri. We're going to learn a lot about both this weekend. They do play each other in week seven. So as we sit here right now, if there's that game, that game is in Lexington, but this is just a fun exercise on a neutral site right now. What are you setting a spread at? Oh man, I, I think I think Kentucky's probably six point favorite. If I had to guess, neutral site. I was going to say three and a half. Yeah, I I um I I just think for whatever reason, maybe it's the evolution and the ascending nature of Kentucky has been going on longer than what Missouri has. So it allows me to trust a little bit more. You know, I think if I had to the defense, I mean, Kentucky's defense. And, and I, I, I have this, to, I've been talking about this all week. Like, I think there's three good defenses in the sec. I think there's three Alabama, Texas A&M and Kentucky outside of that. Nobody's playing defense this year. Like yeah. who, who else is a good defense? I think, you know, that, that Texas or excuse me, that Missouri's, uh, defense has, has shown moments of looking good. The consistency hasn't been there. So if I had to trust, um, you know, quarterback comparison right now, Brady Cook probably the one you're you're giving the nod to. Running backs, uh, giving it to to Ray Davis. Receivers, the Kentucky receivers have not caught the ball well, the ball well. So giving that to to Missouri. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe it should be closer than six. But that was just kind of my initial impression. I don't know. I think Kentucky would definitely be favored in any scenario. I, I can't find one that Missouri right now, and I think it's because of a lot of things you said. 
Like when you look at how they've played over the last couple of years, like this isn't just a one-off. And Missouri's been building towards this as well, but Kentucky's been in this build a little bit longer. And so, you know, for some of that reason, I think they would be a favorite as well, CD. Yeah, no doubt about it. So my uh, my last call from last week, Big Terp, is, is it, it'd be easy to, to get stuck on uh, what I saw from from the uh, the the Florida Kentucky game, but I'm I'm moving on from that. I'm not I'm not dealing with that at this point right now. Uh, I think the thing for me is Alabama. Alabama seems to be figuring it out finally, which I I think is interesting because what we talk about all offseason, we talked about them running the ball more with with Tommy Reese and and maybe playing to the strength of their quarterback situation, which yeah. or, or their offense, which was their running back room, and and maybe helping use create some dynamic. Uh, more dynamic plays and and the offense with the legs of of your quarterback, and they finally feel like they're figuring that out a little bit, leaning on the offensive line to be more of a, a road grader than a pass blocking unit, being able to um you know run run the football and 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 ask your quarterback Jalen Milrow to throw a limited amount of times. I think you go back and look at the stat lines from the last two weeks: seventeen of twenty one two weeks ago this past week, ten of twelve I believe. Those are the numbers that are going to help Jalen Milrow be successful. Um, and, and part of the reason that he's not having to throw so much is because the defense is doing what they're doing on that side of the ball. I think this is one of the best front sevens in the entire country. Uh, they're doing a good job of creating turnovers now, something they were criticized for last year, not doing enough. Right. And, and they're playing complimentary football right now. Um, when when Jalen Milrow gets into a game, if and when they have to, Match big play for big play, score for score like they did against Texas. I don't think that's a recipe for him having success, but putting him in a position right now where they're kind of dictating the pace and tempo and and playing from ahead, it, it, it's exactly what this team needs to play in terms of their offense, defense, and special teams. Yeah, and you start to look ahead maybe at who could give them some issues, and if it turned into a track meet, Right. LSU's offense. Maybe that's one. You like that game being in Tuscaloosa, though. Certainly, if you're an Alabama fan, um, you know, for what LSU's defense has given up, it's through the air and the ground. So don't worry. Uh, they give equal opportunity to both the running backs and the receivers whenever they uh, line up so far this year. So like you'll have some advantages when you have the football as well. But I wonder what that game looks like, CD, if LSU is able to say like, you know, Daniels and neighbors and Thomas kind of take that game over yeah. and it's a little bit of a back and forth. I wonder how Bama would respond if it did turn into that. Yeah, Not to say I'm, they couldn't be successful offensively, but it's just a different style. I'm interested in your perspective. You know, I, I I'm, I'm tempted to believe that some of the Alabama issues that we've seen the last year and a half where they give up the explosive pass plays um, they've improved upon a little bit. Mm -hmm. Some of it has to do with the pass rush and, and, not letting guys get behind them um, or let the quarterback take advantage right. of, of guys getting behind them. But I also feel like they're playing with a little more confidence back there and, and they're playing more cohesive uh, coverage in the, in the back half. Like so much of what coach Saban does depends on guys being on the same page in terms of what they're reading and stem releases of receivers, right. as well as communicating and passing off routes too. So it feels like they're playing really well back there in terms of their chemistry and communication. Yeah, and that's not an easy defense to just go out there and do that. And when you have it working like it is right now, that can go a long way. But I still think, like, when you look at this LSU offense, like, they can beat a sound defense as well. 
but you know, can you do enough to slow that offense down, knowing that their defense has so many struggles that your offense can go out there and still put you in a great position? That's an interesting matchup, and certainly yeah. when we get to that point, we will talk about that game in length. All right, before we get to this week's guest, I want to remind you about our friends over at Blue Delta Jeans. Go to the website, bluedeltajeans.com, and look, there you'll find the latest in the denim, chino, uh, men's performance is something they're doing now. We always tell you, nothing feels as good as custom fits, and that's exactly what you're going to get with Blue Delta Jeans. You are going to get a custom fit. I've got a pair. Doring's got a pair. Everybody in the SEC has a pair because everybody in the SEC knows that they are the absolute best. Go to bluedeltajeans.com. All right, now I want to welcome a very special guest to the show. It's somebody that played nine years in the NFL with the Colts, Broncos, and the Falcons, was an SEC legend as well, fourth-round pick out of the University of Kentucky, and somebody that I know is going to be paying heavy attention to the Wildcats traveling down to Athens to take on the Georgia Bulldogs. And that is Jacob Tammy. All right. Now that we gave all the nice things about Jacob Tammy already there in the bio, uh, we'll go ahead and get out in front of this. We were former teammates with the Denver Broncos. And so I'm going to pull a little bit of a B rabbit in eight mile and say that he's already going to say they beat us in 2007 in our championship season, triple overtime, Kentucky and LSU. So I feel like Jacob, if I get out in front of that, maybe it takes a little bit of the sting away. Yeah, it's a good good call by you. Good move to start <laughs> off with that. I mean, it, it was a beautiful thing throughout my entire NFL career. You know, every mm-hmm. LSU guy that I ever had as a teammate, you know, I got to remind them. And you were probably my favorite of, of yeah, all I know. of them I mean, since you were actually involved in that game. And, you know, you guys <laughs> may have won the national championship, but you couldn't win the Lexington championship that year. And so, you know, that was a great, uh, a great thing to get to hold over you guys. But hey, you know, I think it's great for both of us. All right. We got a great win over you all. You guys had a fantastic team, won the national title. I mean, it's it's good for both of us. Isn't that the the coolest thing about playing in the NFL (laughs) are guys that you played against in college that you thought you may not like that you end up being best friends? But like Danny Cannell, I I hated Danny Cannell when he was at Florida State. Then we play together at the senior bowl. He's my quarterback. We're going over to the casinos in Mississippi every single night and end up becoming great friends. Like who's one of the guys you thought you didn't like when you were playing in the SEC or, or playing another team out of conference that you end up liking in the NFL? Oh, well, you'll like this. This is a good one. I, I've told this story a few times to people, you know, the first time that I ever met Peyton. Okay. So I get drafted to go play for the Colts. And of course, I'm a Kentucky boy growing up, small town in Kentucky, dreamt of playing for Kentucky, never even dreamt of the NFL, just dreamt of being a wildcat. That's kind mm-hmm. of me as a kid. And the Tennessee streak was a thing back then. So we had been beaten by Tennessee, like, I don't even remember, 25 times in a row, basically, something like that. That streak, our senior season, that same season we beat you guys, Hester, yeah. That's that year, Tennessee played us at home on senior night at our place. They had to win to go to the SEC championship. Okay. We got beat 52 to 50 in four overtime. Yeah. Mm. Right. It was like the most heartbreaking. I lost three Super Bowls. I think that was the most heartbreaking defeat of my career was that oh. night 52 to 50 and four OTs. Okay. So, so fast forward to when I get drafted by the Colts and Peyton invites all the rookies over to his house. Okay. I have never even met the guy yet. He invites all the drafted rookies to his house. 
I go in his foyer. His wife has home cooked a meal. Ashley has home cooked food for these for us. Mm-hmm. And he meets me in the foyer and shakes my hand and says, "Hey, Peyton Manning, glad to have you with us." And he, the first, the next thing that came out of his mouth was, "I thought this was going to be the year that you guys break the streak, but looks like it lives on." <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I I literally, as I'm still shaking his hand, I looked him right in the face. The first words I ever said to Peyton Manning. And I said, I don't joke around about Kentucky, Tennessee. <laughs> That's what I told him. So, so I say all that to say, uh, I then I like, I'm like, I excuse myself. Like I got to go to the back. I text my wife. I'm like, I think we're getting cut. Just don't just pack, like, don't get too comfortable in the hotel room. Okay. But yeah. I say that to say, I never thought I could be buddies with a Tennessee volunteer. And then, you know, seven years of playing together later, two different teams. He's one of my best friends ever from the game. And what an unbelievable thing. I know I didn't think it was possible. Hey, so, so that's probably the worst thing you said to him. What's the worst in-game thing he ever said to you getting on you? Cause I've heard, you know, you hear all the stories about him out there. What's the worst thing he's had to get on you about in the game? You know what? I I, I don't, I wish I had a great one for you. No. There was, there was a great, our rookie year, there myself and a guy named Tom Santee, great guy, both were rookie tight ends for the Colts. And and this story got confused a little bit. Adam Vinatieri likes to retell it on occasion, and he says it's me. It actually wasn't me. It was actually Tom Santee. But nevertheless, so I'll tell you a little, a good one that it might have been me. It might have been Tom Santee. I'm not sure, but I think it was, I think it was Tom. They're, we're playing at Baltimore. Okay, Baltimore's unbelievable defense that year. Yeah. They got all the dudes, and we're we're winning the game. Okay, at the very uh, Santi had had a false start at a critical time at some point in the second half. Okay, Peyton kicked him out of the huddle on the next play. He was coming into the huddle and he said, no, get out. Send me somebody else. Right. I was injured. That's how I know it wasn't me. Adam uh-huh. Anyway, Santi leaves the <laughs> huddle. Okay, Santi leaves the huddle. So fast forward to the fourth quarter. We go victory formation. Tom goes back out on the field for victory because he's in that personnel group of multiple tight ends. Peyton sends him out of the huddle again and says, no, you're still not coming out here. Get back on the sideline. Send me somebody else to do this. I'm not <laughs> fooling with this guy anymore. So I, I think that one was Tom, but I did have some moments like that, especially earlier in my career. Yeah. You know, look, once you earn Peyton's trust, it was an unbelievable yeah. thing. Right. And the thing I loved about Peyton, people talk about how tough he was on teammates Honestly, he would never really was like that to me. He was tough, but never, yeah. never in a way that he didn't hold himself to. He yeah. he pushed everyone at a level and never anything different than when he pushed himself. And I always respected the heck out of that. Well, one that's oh, tough, you know, right? for sure. If, you, like, if you're he, not trusted he was in victory guy. formation, Hester, that's pretty bad. Like yeah. you can't yeah. like just like, no, there's but, not much to that. Like I mean, no, not, but but to Tammy's point, like he's exactly right. Like he was not a hard teammate if you did the right things. Like if yeah. he trusted you and he appreciated your work ethic, like he was not going to be that guy to you because he worked harder than anybody and. Like he held himself to that standard. He held you to that standard and wanted you to meet that standard. Now he would rib on you a little bit. Like certainly like if you were in a game, I caught a third down when we were all in Denver together against the Chiefs and we were winning the game by a couple scores and I got the first down and I come back to the huddle and Peyton's like, hey, nice job, Hester. One athletic move and you would have scored a touchdown. And it was just like (laughs) like a subtle jab, like very on to the next play. Like he was the king 
of doing that. Yeah. But man, he he always was ready to go. Like those two, I always tell people, Tammy, those two man route combination deals we did like right after lunch in Denver, and we spent like forty five minutes on just two man route combinations. And like you and I would be in there together, me and Stokely, me and Decker. Like he wanted everybody to know exactly what to do because he didn't want to be on the field and be caught off guard or not be able to get to what he wanted to. That's the next thing that comes to mind when you ask about like a moment when he was tough. I remember this a specific time in Denver when it was like three quarters of the way through the season. And all of a sudden we go out to practice and we're doing two man route combinations. And I played in the slot some, I played, you know, in, in line tied in, I even yeah. played out wide some, whatever. Like I moved around a lot, but there were usually certain things that only the X and the Z would do. So right. like, we all, we all moved around and did a lot of stuff, yeah. but there was one day he th- I went out there and he gave us some obscure two man combo that a tight end never does. Yeah. And I remember kind of freezing up for a second, like, hold on. What? And then you know, the ball was snapped and I'm, and then he's like, he's yelling at me like, Oh yeah. Come on. No, you know what? I'm like, no, we haven't done this in six months and and I don't do this route ever, but that was the standard, right. To always yeah. be ready for any of that. But oh I'll say man. This, oh. I mean, that's obviously why you ended up, going from Indianapolis to, to Denver as well, right? I mean, it, it, trust, was that, was he already at Denver and brought you over there after that? Yeah, no, so, I mean, yeah, I went with him, which yeah. was, I tell yeah. people he went with me. Yeah, yeah but exactly. It doesn't really, yeah. people don't seem to believe it, but yeah. I was actually on a free agent visit um, to the Seattle Seahawks when I got the call. I was in Pete Carroll's office, literal office, when my phone buzzed. And I went out and it was the Broncos as my agent saying the Broncos had just called. It was a day, I guess, after Peyton had signed. That was really one of the most amazing things about my career that, you know, that he would uh, want me to yeah. go with him. There was a tremendous honor to me. Um, just tremendous. Hey, I'll say this. I am sick because I was with the Colts. I got, I went there in my rookie year in the next year, 96, 97, we go three and 13. They fire Bill Polian. They fire Lindy and Fonny. They bring in, or excuse me, they fire our general manager, bring in Bill Polian, bring in Jim Mora. And uh, I miss out on Peyton Manning. With his fondness for white, like slot receivers, man, I feel like I could have had a tremendous couple of years there. With hey, him, you could, you could, Dorian could have been right there with Austin Colley and Blair White, <laughs> and me right. a little bit, in, you know, Dallas. Uh, we had some really good, man. But, man, I, when I went to the Colts, it was Marvin Harrison, my rookie year, and Reggie Wayne, mm-hmm. Dallas Clark. I mean, we had an incredible passing attack that was so much fun it was so cool to get to be around those guys and and learn it was just a great organization to grow up in Mm -hmm. Peyton at the top of the list but the whole thing was just awesome hey while he brings up the 07 triple overtime game I'm gonna bring up our rookie year wild card game in San Diego we went on a walk-off 30 ISO from Darren Sproles one of the best football games that I you guys got like three straight pass interference calls I mean, yeah. we go into OT, PI, 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 one run, our season's over. I'm a, I mean, what a ridiculous. Hey, I mean, and y'all uh, were 12 and four, had to come to us. We were eight and eight and won the AFC West. We were four and eight at one point, had to win four in a row. Denver had to lose four in a row. And thank goodness, bad body language Jay Cutler did that. And we found our way into the playoffs and we went on a 30 yeah. ISO walk off. So a, a little bit of revenge for the 07 triple overtime. Uh, hey. Yeah, that was, that was tough. <laughs> Let's transition into something that's probably 
very uh, difficult for me and the rest of our Gator fans is uh, you, you talked about the streak that Kentucky had been losing to Tennessee. There was a long streak that Kentucky had been losing to Florida. Now, all of a sudden, the tide has turned three straight over the Gators, four of the last six, I believe it is. I mean, it, it, it's amazing how they've elevated their status, not only in the East, but in the conference in general. And you look at this next step, what this could mean. Uh, beating Georgia in Athens and, and what that might do for the rest of the season. Uh, how, how do you describe as a lifelong Kentucky fan, as you mentioned, a guy that played there and, and still very involved, like what you've seen in the growth of this program under Mark Stoops? Yeah, well, you can't, you just can't say enough about Coach Stoops. First of all, you know, the big dog, Coach Merrow on the recruiting front, the whole staff, Brad mm-hmm. White. I mean, Brad White yeah. is without a question, one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. And we keep saying it every year. And, you know, Every time I talk to Brad, I'm like, hey, man, we love you. Just want to remind you how much we love you. I mean, you know, and then we got to get Coach Cohen back, to get Liam back, you know, was you couldn't have when he left. And then, you know, last year offensively, we kind of weren't what we wanted to be all the way. It wasn't all the way there. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, maybe we'll just get Liam back. I mean, that's just kind of crazy the way that all worked out. Mm -hmm. Um, So. I say all that to say, you know, the the coaching staff, I think, uh, has done a tremendous job. And I think we're blessed and kind of fortunate to have the group we have right now. Um, I, I said this after the first couple of games, you know, we're, the program's at the point now where if you don't, you know, beat Ball State 75 to nothing and play a perfect game, everyone's kind of like, oh, gosh, I don't know if we're very good. Well, we just came out and absolutely physically dominated for yeah. yeah. which – I didn't expect, frankly, even – I mean, I wasn't down on the team after those first few games, but we didn't look like we were going to physically dominate Florida, especially on the O-line side of the ball, but we did. Uh, we did in that game. So, are we that team? I hope so. I mean, I hope we're that team, and I hope we show – that. And I think that team shows up again Saturday and, and we have a fantastic game, you know. Um but Georgia's looked vulnerable, no doubt about it. That you know they've looked a little bit vulnerable, but they're still. I mean, they're they're the top dog. I mean, at, without question. So I think uh, it looks like. I mean, if we can be as physical as we were against Florida, uh, we can play with anybody. Uh, now, it's going to be fun to watch on Saturday. Yeah, and look at what Ray Davis did. I mean, it was incredible. I mean, that was a big boy performance, and he did it last year at Vanderbilt. And I'm not trying to throw shade at Vanderbilt, but if you can do what he did at Vanderbilt, you knew he was going to be successful at Kentucky, and he has been that. But this game, Jacob, almost feels like you just need Devin Leary to do a little bit. He doesn't have to do like the entire thing by himself, and I have seen him do the entire thing by himself at NC State. I mean, he broke all of Philip Rivers' records at NC State two years ago. I mean, he has that ability in him. It hasn't quite clicked just yet, but if it does, if it starts to trend that way, then you're talking about a successful game plan for the Wildcats against Georgia. You look at what happened last week in our game against Florida, and, of course, we ran the ball. It was, the running game was tremendous. The old yeah. line was great, and Ray Davis was was phenomenal. But we really did not pass the ball well at all. All right, Leary was off on a few, and we had some drops. I mean, yeah. we dropped a touchdown, actually. Yeah. We dropped a couple key third downs. So, like, and and that's a big, you know, there's you, there's a good and bad in that, right? The good is, hey, I don't think we've seen the best of Devin Leary because, mm-hmm. to your point, you know, we saw Leary at NC State excel at a pretty daggone high level, and so far it's been sort of eh, so-so right now uh, this year. I think we haven't seen his best yet. So that's 
that's really a positive. The negative way to look at it is, gosh, our passing game's not clicking, right? It's just not fully there right now. So I do think, though, we've got the guys both at quarterback and at receiver where it can improve continuously as the season goes. And if it does, you know, look out. Like, we could be pretty tough. The receiver drops are what's the most uh, head-scratching to me. I mean, these are really talented individual receivers that we've seen do it for, you know, many games the last uh, year or so. Um, also, I think, you know, that I still worry a little about the interior pressure. I think some of those throws that he's had to make have been off because of guys that are, you know, getting some penetration right in his face. But uh, defensively, I, I you mentioned Brad White earlier. I mean, this group, I, I watched that game against my alma mater and said, man, Kentucky has better players at every single position, like faster, more physical, more aggressive and, and it's not something that I would ever have imagined I would have said in comparing rosters between Florida and Kentucky, but they've done a good job of, of, of bringing in better talent. The transfer portals helped them on both sides. But like, I really believe the development, the coaching and the development, they do more with less there than any other team in the SEC, I believe. What, what have you seen from this year's defense and the history of Kentucky defenses there under Coach Stoops? Well, you know, you mentioned two things. One, uh, you know, Coach Stoops has been using the slogan for, I don't know, maybe five years. I mean, that recruit and develop. And, man, it's not just a slogan. Like, they've really done it. And and secondly, um, regarding the defense, I I think I tweeted this after one of those early games, maybe the second or third game of the year. And I said, you know, there was we had beat somebody, I think Ball State, 35-3. to three, And people were talking about, our you know, some of our, our starting O-line needed – to transfer and you know we weren't our receive like there was just a little bit of negativity about some of the way the game played out you know which I mean I get it sometimes that's okay the expectation level has has risen quite a bit but I said you know what people weren't talking about was our defense like our defense legitimately I think so we had that really good I think it was 2018 defense with with Josh Allen and and a bunch of other good dudes too you know I think Mike Edwards on that team there's a bunch of good players I think this defense as a whole, to your point, Chris, I think all 11 of them, and then part, with the guys rotating in, there's probably 13 or 14. I think you take that unit, I think it could be the best defense Stoops has ever had here, and mm-hmm. Brad White and those guys. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's a legitimately top 10 nationally defense um, from top to bottom across the board. So I think our defense is going to is going to be able to keep us in a bunch of games. Now, Brock Bowers coming up this weekend, you know, show the tight end some love. I mean, the dude is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so you know, if if we – we'll really find out a lot. Like, if we can really play a great defensive game this weekend, um, you know, I, it, it'd be big. I'm not sure how I would cover him. I'm not sure defensively what I would try to do. I don't know what coverage. I don't know if I'd play man, if I'd play zone, if I – I played with Antonio Gates in San Diego and the chiefs used to like have basically two people on him. Like he was a a gunner on punt and that's yeah. how they would attack him. And I've seen some great tight ends, you know, have some special coverages for them. I don't know that any coverage right now can slow down Brock Bowers. Uh, yeah. I don't, uh, it's he, the, some of the highlights I've seen. I mean, I haven't studied any tape. I don't know exactly how they're utilizing him. I just know they're utilizing him in a bunch of ways. And I know yeah. that he's making some unbelievable plays. He's a great athlete. So and, and I do think in that Florida game, I think that that uh, Florida missed a couple throws where they had chances against our defense. Even as good as our defense is and can be, I think we did let them have uh, a couple of crossers, a couple of things that we yeah. didn't quite. So, you know, we're going to have to be tight on that stuff or else Bowers could have a day. Um, but I think we have, to your point, Chris, talent in general across the board. I think I think Kentucky's team defense specifically 
Um, and it's just, it's another level from where it was even six, seven, eight years ago. I said this a lot this week. I don't think outside of Alabama, I don't think there's a team in the SEC over the last three years that has played Georgia better than what Kentucky has. At least defensively, they've been in there. The offense hasn't necessarily been able to get a ton of traction. Do you think the offense will be more aggressive this year? Do you think that that they'll uh, try to – it felt like they've almost tried to hang in there with their defense and just be able to make a play late. But do you think, especially with Georgia, how slow they've been starting, that they come out and be a little more aggressive offensively? I think it'll be interesting to see because if I remember correctly, two years ago when Liam – was the offensive coordinator. We went down there to Georgia and we pretty much came out swinging like mm-hmm. the opening drive. I think we ran a reverse, a double pass, uh, you know, not, not that we have to get gimmicky. I don't think, but I don't think, yeah. I don't think Liam's afraid to do whatever the heck he thinks will work. And I think, you know, Mark trusts him to go, to go do it. Um, so I think uh, I'm hopeful that we'll come out swinging. Um, but you know, if we can get movement up front like we did against and Florida's defensive line was good. Like it, it's yeah. not like Florida's run defense hadn't been good. Like, so hopefully we can move the ball on the ground. I mean, Ray Davis, I'm telling you, like, this dude's like a mix of Wandell Robinson, Lynn Bowden, Benny Snell, and like the Hulk. I mean, the dude is like <laughs> a, a real beast. Yeah. So, and we can get him going, um, you know, hopefully it'll open up some more of the shot type stuff. What would this win mean for Kentucky's program? Because it's not like y'all haven't beaten teams before. I mean, look, we were number one in the country when y'all beat us. I mean, y'all have done this in the past. I mean, Mark Stoops. Not with something on the line like this, though. Well, I know, but Mark Stoops has beaten a top 10 Florida team. He's beaten a really good Penn State team in a bowl game. But like like you're you're saying, we have had on the line. Like this feels like it would do something even different. We've had some very good teams that have – that have been on the cusp of competing for the East, but I don't feel like we've ever really got there yet. Right. Like we've had a couple undefeated. We think we were undefeated going to Georgia, maybe uh, two. I don't know, but we've been close. We've been right there, like in the, in the conversation. Right. And I think what this, what a win on, on Saturday would do for the program. I mean, it would be the first time in decades where Kentucky's legitimately in the driver's seat to go win the East. I mean, that that's, that's a step that hasn't been mm-hmm. taken yet. We, you know, it's it's been Alabama, it's been Georgia. It's been Alabama, yeah. it's been Georgia. It's been Georgia, Alabama. And, you know, a win would would put Kentucky in the driver's seat for the first time, I think, in forever. So it would be monumental for sure. I think the three of us have all played for teams, whether it's in college or the NFL, where you just show – you knew you were going to win. Just you have that much confidence. I'm wondering whether or not you feel like Kentucky, the players, the coaches, the fan base, do you think that they believe that they're going to go win or do you think that they hope that they're going to win at this point? It's a great question. So, all right, I'll take you back. Let's go back to like 07 for a minute. We had uh, one of the things as a kid growing up here, just bleeding blue, all that stuff, we were trying to get people to believe. Like I had been a fan through the tough times. I had seen the empty stadiums. You know, I had seen the the cat call – like. And, and then all of a sudden, end of 06, throughout 07, we proved we could play with anybody in the country, including mm-hmm. the eventual national champions, right? But And so the fan base really started to believe then, man, 15 years ago, right? Then we had some years after that where things kind of, eh, just in a malaise for a little bit. But then what Coach Stoops has done, I think, it, the beginning we had to get the belief back. But, like, we're, right. I think to, – to, I'm going to answer your question – that like the like believe and like change the culture and all that stuff that's in the past now mm-hmm. that stuff ain't happening anymore 
Like, so I think the answer is absolutely. I don't think there's any word about hope. I think this team thinks they can beat anybody in the country, including Georgia at Georgia. Mm -hmm. So um, I think some of that, uh, you know, hey, can we do it is kind of a little bit of the old, old Kentucky that's sort of been worked through over, let's call it 15 years. Mm -hmm. And now it's a new deal. And I think, I think this team's going to go down there pretty confident. I I think obviously – all due respect to Georgia. I mean, they're, they're, they're the top dog. Yeah. Um, but I think they'll go down. I think the Kentucky will go down there ready to play. Now, how are you going to take in the game on Saturday? Because catching up with you, I mean, you've got trying to sling investments. You've got farming <laughs> that I've got to hear more about. You're coaching every position uh, possible, middle school football. Like, are we going to have time to sit down and enjoy the game on Saturday? Uh, First of all, there's no sling investments. Okay, my financial advice: <laughs> no sling investments. Hey, right. look, uh, look, uh, I'm a self-described meathead, and so that's how we this, say okay? it. You know, Nasdaq's down today. Um, listen, so <laughs> we're I, I do I leave a really I lead a full and busy life that's just unbelievable. I feel extreme. Like I I, I feel like I'm the most blessed person walking the earth. I get to do uh, my investment business. We have an Angus cattle farm. My family's been doing cattle for 113 years now. Oh, that's in awesome. Kentucky. And um, and then, yeah, coaching my son, he, he's 12, 12 years old. I've been helping with his you know team since he was tiny and just kind of been kind of going up the, the thing with him. And now in middle school, I'm a volunteer coach. Uh, I thought I was just going to sort of, you know, get water and fix chin straps and stuff. And I'm, I'm helping with <laughs> linebackers, uh, receivers. I'm the seventh grade head coach. I'm the special teams coordinator for the eighth grade. So, you know, it's been, it's so much, I, I said this right before we, I think before we hit go, but you know, there was a time in my life when I thought I wanted to go coach at the NFL level or right. maybe at the college level. And, you know, I know you were so well-respected in the locker room, you know, you get some of those opportunities, right. And the coaches respect you and, um, we decided to come back to central Kentucky and be rooted mm-hmm. here. And so that wasn't going to work, but I wondered like, Hey, coaching kids, is it like, what's it going to be like? I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to give me the juice, you know, that you, yeah. you, you know, you want to have it. Let me tell you, I can't even imagine like I'm already, I, I, I'm, I'm all kind of geared up right now. We play tonight in, in, in five hours. Okay. We got a game yeah. in five hours. I'm trying to focus in so I can get some work done for the next couple of hours because you know, I, I, I it's just, it's so much fun. I can't, I can't explain it. It's Hester just, and I know we get fired. Up. I like, I, I go yeah. back to my days coaching flag football for my, my, my son's team. I was throwing yeah. my play sheet. Like I was coach Spurrier out there and the kids are six and seven years old. So That's I would true. just say this, man, it goes by both my kids are in college. Now it goes by quick and it's the ultimate old guy thing to say, but enjoy it, man. Cause it'll be over yeah. with before you know it. Hey, I, I Hey, look, I pulled off the feet of running a counter run in flag football last night, Tammy. Ooh, you know, okay. the fullback dies hard. Like, you know, it's almost dead in football, but we got to try to bring it back if we can. So That's I'm just trying. I, as a parent on that team, I would complain. Like, what are we doing running counters in flag football? It scored. Get the scored. fullback out of here. Yeah, well, oh, I know. Man. Look, all here. these tight Come ends. On. Look, Tammy, just on the record before we let you go, tight ends don't want to play fullback. And they're trying to make them fullbacks every time, like – when I was with Randy McMichael with the Chargers, he would groan so loud when he'd have to play F. Come on, you know the truth. You or Joel yeah, didn't no, want to play tight right. end. Or sorry, you're, didn't want to play fullback. No, no, you're exactly right. No one, yeah. no tight end wants to play fullback. And and the yeah. other piece of that is no team needs a fullback. Just get a couple <laughs> tight ends. Spread them out. Let's go. I mean. <laughs>
Oh, we're extinct, guys. We are extinct. It's not like it's happening. Like my last yeah. year, I remember having a conversation with my agent. He's like, hey, I'm looking at it. There's 17 fullbacks right now. I was like, oh, that are free agents? He goes, no, that are in the league. I was like, <laughs> they're still alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, that's probably, yeah. not, that's probably not a good sign. All right, uh, final thought, Tammy, before we let you go. How does it play out on Saturday? Oh, man. I I don't know. I <laughs> I don't know. I think I think it'll be a really good game, man. I really do. I think uh, yeah. I haven't seen enough of Georgia to know anything specific. I've just seen scores as the days go, and you know, yeah. seen some highlights. I really, I've certainly seen enough of Kentucky. Um, you know, I, I some people I trust. You know, they, they think Kentucky can play with anybody in the country. You know, yeah. if the if the offensive line plays the way they did last week, uh, and we get Leary able, you know, just a little bit more efficient. Um, I think it'll I think it'll be a, a heck of a deal on Saturday and I think it ought to be a great game. All right, Jake, man, we really appreciate you joining us, man. It's been really fun to catch up. I would say tonight, don't be nervous and to run fullback die first play of the game. <laughs> hey, as a special teams coordinator, I just I tell the head coach every time, let's fake this, let's fake that. You know, we may he maybe he'll say yes tonight. Maybe we'll actually get <laughs> get it tonight finally. Absolutely love that. Appreciate your time. Appreciate man. it, man. Thank you guys. We we raised registered Angus cattle. So that's awesome, man. So so where exactly are you in your hometown? That's yeah, I gotta run get an at. x-ray real quick. I'll see you All later good. on. All good. Tammy, thanks for appreciate you jumping on with us. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. All right. We want to thank Jacob Tammy for joining the show. A teammate of mine with the Denver Broncos, as we mentioned, their ultimate teammate, great dude, big Kentucky fan still. Yeah. So again, I know he'll be very excited to watch his Wildcats try to take down the Bulldogs, CD. No doubt, it's a uh, it, it's been fun watching how many more Wildcats there are in the NFL. Like you know, every year you see Coach Stoops at the draft with one of his players being selected yeah. in the first round. I think it's a testament to what those guys do in terms of development of players and what they do in terms of utilization in their respective schemes. They they do yep. they're one of the best in the conference when it comes to overall coaching staffs, in my opinion. No, I agree with you. And, you know, Mark Stoops is one of our absolute favorites here on pregaming the SEC. And uh, Kentucky just continues to have Sunday players. And what maybe gives them an opportunity against the number one team in the country. All right. Now is the portion of pregaming the SEC. Well, we're going to pregame. And we do that. And we welcome in the Big Terp, a sleeveless Big Terp, a sun's out, guns out. Big Turp, but he does have the Maryland Terrapins jersey on. They're not an SEC team, although who knows? In five years, they could be because who knows what is what. But they are undefeated, so we'll allow it, Big Turp. Yeah, they are lucky to have a seat at that Big Ten table, so they're not going anywhere. They're them and Rutgers. They're not jeopardizing any position in that conference. Um, all right, six games here in Week Six, and we're just going to skip over one of them. No offense to Western Michigan and Mississippi State. Actually, let me give you a real quick no yo foe. Yes, on please. Mississippi State. <laughs> sure. I'm sorry, on Western Michigan because because they've played teams that you've heard of. They lost to Syracuse 48-7. They yeah. lost to Iowa 41-10. They beat Ball State 42-24. And the only reason I mentioned that is we've seen uh, Georgia and Kentucky play Ball State. Yeah. Um, but before we move on, just a little look, bit. Look, Iowa scored 41 points on them. That's yeah. a little suspect. Okay. Yeah. A little when suspect. I saw that, I thought it was a typo. 41. <laughs> That's so, is that a yearly total for Iowa? <laughs> Mississippi State, please take care of business. Uh, a little bit of Western Michigan trivia. You got the mascot? Yeah, Broncos. Uh, yeah. There you go. And yeah. uh, they 
put a few um, NFL wide receivers out in the last few years. Cause Sky Moore, current yep. Chief, Chief, Dwayne Etheridge, current Seahawk. And then who's got the first round pick from 2017? Uh, Davis. Yep. Corey Davis. Yeah. He's actually already out of the league. That was a, that dude could have been really good if not for injuries. Yeah. Real quick, real quick. It's damn hard to stay in the NFL. And like that's just another example of a really good player. And it's just like you blink and you're out of the NFL. We were talking about Treadwell from Ole Miss earlier today with T Bob. It's like, man, yeah, you blink and like a guy that you thought was going to be a stud, it's just it is very difficult to stay in the NFL. And I know C D can appreciate that as well. No doubt about it, man. It is a uh I tell my son all the time, he'll he'll say watching college games or NFL games. Oh, that guy sucks. I'm like, he does not suck. If he's playing at a major school in college or even more so playing in the NFL, <laughs> I promise you he does not yeah, suck. I get onto my son all the time. He's in eighth grade and he's like, Oh, he's trash. I'm like, if you say that again, he is getting paid millions of dollars to play the position he's playing and one percent of the world's doing that right now. Oh, so no. okay, we'll get off our soapbox. Sorry, <laughs> Big Turp. Let's pregame. No, that's right. I was guilty of that as a kid. Like watching baseball, you see a curveball. You're like, that's the slow one. How do you not hit that? If you saw that, you would <laughs> the shit slow one. your pants. In contrast um, but, to that fastball as well. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, yeah. yeah. Oh, CD and I have uh well, we learned our lesson about talking trash about fastballs. Yeah, I could okay. easily square up 95. All right. Um, hey, hey, real quick, real quick, real quick. We're we're pre-gaming here. What what is it? I saw you having a little bit of a sip of your beverage. What are you pre-gaming with? Corona. Oh, okay. wow. Switch it up this week. Okay. All right. I don't ever have the same beer in my fridge. It's kind of just what's cheapest at the store. I, I All right. Think, I thought you had, um, I was thinking you, you had a little cocktail there. It looked like you were drinking a little brown liquor. Perhaps that was apple juice. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm big in the juice game. I loved apple juice too. Uh, in all seriousness. <laughs> I get, I swear to God, I get apple juice on flights. I don't know why. They come around like, what do you want? I'm like, I'll take an apple juice on the rocks, please. Well, that's because you're sitting back in, in coach. In first class, you're drinking free liquor. So, you know. Wow. I mean, <laughs> wow. All right. Since we've got flexed on by, by, Chris, by Chris Doring Mortgage Company. It all, hold on. In all seriousness, I can't even get first class on my flights to Charlotte because it's one of those little tiny planes with one row on one side, two on the other with no first class or, or Wi-Fi. So. I've been humbled myself. They give you two bags of pretzels, though. Um, all right. <laughs> Real quick, before we're not going to dive too deep here. I just want a reaction to Florida being favored by 18 and a half over Vandy. What's the immediate gut reaction? Because that's a lot well, of points for this. Florida. It is. It is. Let me take this one. They've yeah. got to have revenge on their mind. They lost this game a year ago. Florida was the better team, but Vanderbilt had the better effort. You have to avenge that loss. And hold on, hold on. That's not the question. The question is, what are your thoughts about them being favorite 18 and a half? My reaction would be, let me run to the betting window and take Vanderbilt. Florida should not be favored over 18 and a half over anyone right now. Okay, but if the if the Tennessee version of Florida shows up, they'll what win was that? By the one that plays 30 minutes of football? That one? Yes, but if they show up in this one. They could cover that. Now, I don't think they're going to cover that, but they could. You're being too politically correct. He wanted to know what your reaction is to the 18 and a half point spread that Florida's favored by. Okay, Florida's not 18 and a half points better than anybody <laughs> in the you. SEC. There you Thank go, okay? You. All right, that's the, there all, you go. All 14 of the ranked teams in the SEC, as Kirby would have us believe. Florida's yes, he would. So I, I think Florida wins this game again. They lost this one last year. You know that's been sitting bad with them. Because we've all popped off the jokes that Vanderbilt was able to take them down. So I think they win the game and, you know, they continue on the, their 
goal to try to get to a bowl game, CD. Yeah, now I think I think there's a couple teams right now after this past weekend that are looking at uh, bowl eligibility starting to fade. I think Florida could be one of those teams. I yeah. think South Carolina could be one of those teams as well. T- tough sled, uh, tough road ahead for for both of those teams right now. But yeah. I think this is a game they should win. Um, unfortunately, I think they've burned some goodwill uh, that has been created since that loss out there in Utah. The 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 not only the loss. But the style of losing, I think, really hurt Florida. The disorganization, disorganized nature of their play, much like what they look like in Utah. The total lack of physicality, the real lack of any sort of sense of urgency defensively. Like it was embarrassing. And I talked a lot about Texas AM's effort on defense after that week two game against uh, Miami. Florida makes that effort look amazingly clean because this was, this was. One where from play number one, they got blown off the line of scrimmage time and time again. Yeah. Execute their assignments, were completely undisciplined in in, in their technique, were awful tackling. Like other than that, it was a great <laughs> performance by Florida's defense. Other than that, oh yeah, it's a lot of that. Uh yeah. And I know you meant to say it just like that. You and I were going over the tape, and I know we got to go to the next game. It, it, bad run fits the effort and the whole thing was questionable so yeah they got to get all that cleaned up even against Vanderbilt all right let's hit Arkansas Ole Miss the thing that we said last week about Arkansas before A&M is that they're staring down the barrel of 0-2 in the SEC 2-3 and overall now that's mm-hmm. their reality and they get Ole Miss on the road Alabama on the road so they're in the middle of a three-game slide with their two toughest games coming up here. Ole Miss is an 11.5-point favorite. Can Arkansas like salvage a little bit? Because it's past moral victories. It's win or yeah. lose. Yeah, oh, their backs be, firmly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, firmly against that cylinders wall. Offensively. So how, how is this one going to go down? Well, I think K.J. Jefferson can come in and have a great performance like he had against LSU against this defense because Ole Miss and LSU's defense look – pretty similar and LSU's is worse but Ole Miss has given up a lot of points to dynamic quarterbacks and so we'll see if that continues it's the only way that Arkansas can win this game or even stay in this game KJ Jefferson has to have one of those type of performances because just on the surface and I know Arkansas dominated this game a year ago like complete domination but Ole Miss is going to get a lot of juice off that victory right remember Ole Miss had a lead against LSU like 17 to 3 last year and they blew that lead well they were able to find a way to win this game after blowing a lead to LSU I think they have confidence from that game I actually think they cover and I think they cover in a big way you, you think Arkansas covers in a big way no no are you Ole saying Miss. Ole Miss covers okay All Ole right. Miss has got See, that confidence off that victory against LSU that they almost had a year ago but didn't have an Arkansas right. man just, I mean, again, that score was not indicative of what that game was in Dallas yeah. last week. Yeah. So I, I disagree with you a little bit because I, I think as we go back and talk about what you mentioned earlier, the defense is still a concern for me for Ole mm-hmm. Miss. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not ready to go all in on what I saw in terms of their improvement on the offensive line either. Uh, 11 or 11 and a half points. That's a lot of points to be laying in an SEC game especially coming off a big win like they did. They expended a lot of energy, the emotion, the celebration, talking about it all week. I think this is one that that Ole Miss wins, but I think it's a close game, and I think they stay within that number. Cool. All right, let's go noon on ESPN. I I love Missouri. I'm psyched they're 5-0. I want them, no offense, to 6-0 and keep this thing going. 
What do you love about them? What do you love about Missouri? Tell me, Big Ten. I love that they have a number next to their name. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm saying. I love, like, we've been talking about Drink for years. We were all surprised at the fact that he has not gone over 500 yet. Yeah. They just need two more wins to reach that mark. But at that point, if you tell a Missouri fan you'll be seven and five at the end of the year, they might be a little bit disappointed. So I'm happy to see them coming up like that. They host LSU as a Mm 5.5 point dog. Can they get the outright win? They can. With LSU's defense, y'all don't understand, I think, how poor LSU's defense is right now. Like, when you look at score rate, like, if you take away the the Mississippi State game and maybe the Grambling game, and you look at the score rate for LSU's defense, they're giving up a touchdown over half the time. So almost every drive is a coin flip of you getting in the end zone. Score rate's in the 60%. Right, if we're adding field goals into this, sixty, I believe it's sixty-eight percent of the time right now, teams are scoring points somehow, and that's sixty-eight percent of the drives, not in a quarter, not in the second half. So basically, you're scoring a touchdown with a coin flip against LSU's defense right now, half the time, over half the time. If you take away the Mississippi State one, in which you look, you, you went out there and you played well because Mississippi State had no clue who they were, what their identity was. That's how bad it is. Like, you're giving up record numbers as far as scoring points. So, yeah, Missouri can win it outright. Do I think LSU has advantages still in this game? I do. When you look at Jaden Daniels and the receivers and Logan Diggs and that offensive line, they're special. Like, elite, I think. I mean, they're one of the best offenses in the country. They're top five in total offense. They're fourth, I believe. The problem is they're 117 in total defense. They're horrid. So, do do you think they think? That can change. Like, I don't know that they can change what they are in the secondary, but they got too many good players in the front seven to be as poor as their defense is, to have as little impact on the Ole Miss offense as they did. Zero sacks in that ball game, very few tackles for loss. Like, didn't do what we've expected, you know, those guys to do. That front that includes Mason Smith and Makai Wingo and having Harold Perkins and what he did last year in terms of rushing the quarterback, like, certainly you can find a way to kind of create some pass rush and penetration when you have that type of group, right? I mean, you would think so, but they went the first two games. They didn't have a sack this year, right? It was the third game of the year before they got their first sack. And look, you bring in Pete Jenkins, who's 82 years old. I think this is like his fifth or sixth time to be on the LSU staff in different stints to be an analyst because the defensive line play, it it sits there. Now, like Jimmy Lindsay was your defensive line coach and very, very unfortunate health scare at the beginning of the season, and he's not with the team. And so, like, it's a position that maybe you're you're trying to get more out of, and, and they're working on the technique portion of it. But, like, on tape, it hasn't looked like it looked on paper. And I know Makai Wingo works like hell, so I know it's not an effort issue with a guy like that, but it's just not hitting right now. Yeah. And, like, even Harold Perkins, like, he had some nice rushes, but, like, even, like, his hit rate isn't the same. Teams are still scheming against him. And so I, I don't know, CD, that's going to get better. Those Jimmys and Joes aren't really changing. They are who they are. I mean, they've, they've, they've had injuries. They've had devastation. I mean, with the Greg Brooks news, I mean, they've had a lot of things they couldn't handle, but. Right now, you've got a lot of young players, and some are picking it up, some aren't. Like, Whit Weeks is picking it up at linebacker. I need to see more of 40. If I'm an LSU fan and 40 is not heavily involved in the game plan, I'd be disappointed. Mm-hmm. No, I'm I'm, uh, I'm with you. And I, going back to your question, Big Turp, like, 
I definitely see a path for Missouri winning this football game. And I think when you're trying Brady to Cook hasn't thrown an interception since Moby Dick was a minnow. No doubt. And, and, and you know, we talk an awful lot about some of our favorite receiver groups coming into the season. We didn't talk about Missouri. Luther Burden, we yeah. talked about. We didn't talk right. about Theo Weiss and what he's become. We didn't yeah. talk about Marquise Johnson and what he's been able to add. Like this group is starting to to, to really assert themselves yeah. and they have some some great chemistry with their quarterback, Brady Cook. I think that they, you know, you talk about a perfect opportunity to to take advantage of the the Achilles heel of, of mm-hmm. LSU's team. That they they might it might be bombs away in that secondary. Do you remember the 2020 game between LSU and Mizzou, the COVID year where LSU had to travel up to Como and Miles Brennan was the quarterback for LSU and it was a track meet? I mean, it was like whoever had the I, ball I literally last. talked about that on the radio yesterday, man. Like right, that, and that, LSU got on the goal line. They couldn't yep. score. Does this game not feel like it could end up just like that one? It does. It feels like it could be a track meet. And, um, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to Kirby Moore. And he's done a nice job in that K-State win of some creative play design and aggressive play calling. Mm -hmm. I think they have to be aggressive from the get-go. And and because it it does feel like a similar type situation where they may have to hold serve and and match LSU score for score. So I've heard right, multiple turp. people across multiple shows, and the way you guys are talking about it, it seems like you might agree, say 64 and a half seems too low. Obviously, Vegas is not just throwing out lines that are too low, but do you think 64 and a half is too low? Um, yeah, I'd go over. I'd go over. Yeah, I think so too. Um I, I think it it's 42 uh, 35 feels like okay. I can see it. it. I just yeah. checked 77. So you lot. Oh, okay. Now you were doing some addition for us. I, I think one other thing I want to mention before we move on from this game, I love what what excitement does for a fan base. You know, yeah. they they showed up at eleven a.m. or whatever it was for the the Kansas State game. Yeah, they're going to show up again. Like we, when you win, you continue to to gain momentum, and people get on board, and everyone starts to believe a little bit more. This is a huge game for that next step of belief. Yep. But I think for now, you're going to have a nice home field advantage. Yeah, it used to be if you build it, they will come. Now, if you win, they will come. No doubt. All right, let's hit that Georgia-Kentucky, 7 p.m. on ESPN. Bulldogs still favored by 15 as we sit here. Uh, one, what's the path to a Kentucky upset that puts them on that SEC East title trajectory? And two, what's, what do you think about that 15? They tried to do it last week, right? Georgia yeah. tried to do what you need to do in order to let a team upset you. That's turn the football over, mm-hmm. which they did three times, turned it over and gave Auburn great field position where they were able to score 14 points off of those turnovers. Give up big plays, which they did. That Peyton Thorne run, one of the, the first that comes yep. to mind. And, and commit untimely penalties, which they did. Pass interference call gives uh, Auburn an opportunity to score when you know they're not going to really be able to c- complete many passes. So I think that's the kind of the basis for the upset. But has they got to be able to throw and catch the ball with more consistency? This group is too good at quarterback, at wide receiver, to not have more success, more consistent success throwing the football. And, and I think that's really the thing that I want to see is can they go out there and hit some explosive plays that you need to make in order to upset explosive plays through the air yeah. that you need to make to upset a number one team on the road. Yeah, what's Georgia going to watch the tape from last week and say we got to stop? Ray Davis. That's going to be the number one thing. Hey, this guy cannot beat us because he had so much success against Florida. 
Well, what does that mean? It means Devin Leary, a guy that's done it before. Again, he's broken all of Philip Rivers' records at NC State, right? I mean, he was a dude in the ACC. Now it hasn't quite hit yet in the SCC. Some of the things that you see with him, you know, he hasn't been accurate as he was at NC State, but his receivers aren't helping him out either. You and I, CD, talked about that earlier today. This is a talented group, a very talented group in Lexington. They've got to start making plays for their quarterback because Georgia is going to say, hey, you know what? If you beat us, you're going to beat us because Devin Larry went out there and completed difficult passes to his receivers. Like, I would be shocked if that's not the game plan. Stop Ray Davis at all costs, and we'll see if Devin Larry can go out there and beat us. They have the talent. They've got the quarterback and the trio of receivers to do it, but we got to see it because I, I don't like, do you think there's a game this year where they've hit on all cylinders and in, in between quarterback and receiver? No, I can't. I can't think of one. I can't even, yeah, I can think moments of it. And, and, and dude, I watched some of these throws that Devin Leary makes it wide field out routes that he just lasers in there, yeah. man. It looks so pretty coming out of his hand. And I, honestly, if we're talking about some errant throws, he's had some bad looking throws. But if yeah. you go back and look at the tape, a lot of it is when he has guys right in his face, you know, having to, to you know, throw over a, a, a free rusher or getting his arm where he can't finish the throw. Like yeah. I, the, the offensive line, it, it plays paramount here. And, and Georgia heading into last week's game was last in the conference in sacks. They did pick up a few against Auburn. Um, but it's not like they've dominated the lines of scrimmage and one-on-one pass rush like they have the last couple of years. So I do think that that the big blue wall needs to do their part to to own the line of scrimmage like they did against Florida, at least hold their yeah. own and not necessarily have that be a negative. Yeah, I agree. I think it'd be a big part of it. All right, one more. We got the game of the week, at least as far as I'm concerned, the Alabama-Texas A&M game. And this would be really, really cool if A&M can finally do it and break through and be on that fast track to win the SEC West. Alabama's a one-and-a-half-point favorite right now. It, the, the That's down, by the way. It's down from like three-and-a-half or four early in the week. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean – I think there's value there. I think people started to see the value, and the value may be eliminated a little bit now. But like, yeah. I think people are living off the idea of what Alabama has been in the past and what Texas A&M has been in the past and not necessarily in the present, Big Turp. So at this point, which side are you on of that one and a half? I'm on the Texas A&M side. I'm taking the Aggies to win outright. I mean, you know, this is a, a game that I think I, I they've been they've been waiting for this opportunity. They They did it two years ago in college station, but they didn't have what's on the line the way that, that this year does has what's on the line. This, this yeah. feels like a de facto sec West championship game has. And I think that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Texas A&M is the most complete team in the, in the West. And it just comes down to them being able to go out and, and improve it the way they have the last couple of weeks. I, I think the, as you look at individual matchups, the, the front seven for Texas A&M has been tremendous. Seven sacks the last two weeks in, in ball games against Arkansas and Auburn. I think they should be able to eat against uh, Alabama's offensive line when Alabama does have to throw. Uh, I think they have receivers that can make plays in the secondary, and we'll really see whether or not Alabama's been able to shore up that secondary to not give up the big explosive pass plays. And I think that um, yeah, I think they have the, the ability to um, – really be able to 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 win both lines of scrims. I, I did say that that Alabama's defensive line is is amongst the best, but yeah. I've been pretty impressed with what I've seen from AM's offensive line this year so far. I don't know about your thoughts there. 
Yeah, I, I have been. But even if they struggle in this one, I've seen Max Johnson up close and personal. I think he's really good in the pocket. I actually think it's one of his biggest strengths. And when he was at LSU and I had a chance to see him play multiple games, I always felt like that's where he could kind of make up for some of his arm ability. Now, yeah. he doesn't have a bad arm, but he doesn't have the strongest arm. But I felt like in the pocket, he could always kind of create an angle to get the best angle to make the throw. And he's already done some of that there in College Station. I mean, again, like we've talked about it, but a luxury to have that guy be your backup with so many SEC starts, so much success in the SEC. Not team success at LSU, but I thought he had individual success. I mean, he's gone to Tuscaloosa before as a starting quarterback at LSU and almost, you know, threw a pass in the end zone to beat Alabama on a bad LSU team. And so, like, that wasn't too big for him. So this game, being at home, is not going to be – the stage isn't going to be too big for Max Johnson. He's going to be able to handle that. So I don't worry about that with him. A couple of playmakers, like Anaya Smith's going to be huge in this one. You know, can he make that play? Can he make the game-changing play like we've seen him make so many times? Because I do think there's advantages up front for AM. and that's That feels weird to say against any team playing Alabama, but I do feel like they have the advantage. I think that's a real strength of Texas A&M, right? I think that defensively, right? I mean, look, you don't send two guys to media day from the defensive line if you don't feel good about the unit. I mean, they've got a really stout, deep unit, even with some young players rolling in there so it's going to be the story of the game it's going to be the story you know can they can they get that penetration on Jalen Milrow can they force him out of the pocket and if they do force him out of the pocket can they stay in their in their lanes enough to not allow him to go 65 yards down the field because they weren't they didn't have lane integrity I don't I don't think you want to force him out of the pocket to be honest with you no, I'm saying I, because I think... you get so much pressure on him that he has no choice but yeah, to leave the pocket. What, what I what I see you know, I thought they did a great job against Arkansas and KJ Jefferson last week. KJ is such an aware quarterback in the pocket where yeah. he's able to slide and buy time and 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 throw the football. He didn't have that ability because of the pass rush. The way they 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 squeezed from the outside and up the middle, he had nowhere to go. I thought it was a great job of of how you build a box around a quarterback and and really keep leverage in that lane integrity that you talked about. Yeah, and and you can you can do that, but I think if you get enough rush on him, then Milrow might have a tendency to try to get out of a clean pocket as well. If you know what I'm saying, like KJ Jefferson's really good at staying in the pocket. I think Milrow still has a some room to grow there because sometimes when you get an athletic quarterback a little antsy, then immediately yeah. the first sign that flashes in front of him, a good pocket if you step up, turns into him rolling out to his right where he feels like he's got an advantage. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's one of the the dynamics of the game that I'm most interested in watching. So what you like got? you like A and M? I'm taking A and M. Here's the deal: I wish that I was. I wish we had recorded this the other day because I would have made it my best bet getting three and a half. But I'm going to go ahead and do it right now. I'm picture lock me in for plus one and a half right here. A oral commitment is binding in the state of Florida. I'm in on the Ags. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, binding, hundred percent. Oh no, no, it's not. I'm I was so about up. to say, <laughs> I made that. I up, like, but it that, sounds good. It sounds that feels official. like something someone who has a mortgage company would love. Yeah, I'll take the house. Oh, will you take the house? <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're gonna take you for that one. So, I'm not ready to make a call on this game. I'm not ready just yet. Um, I like some of the individual matchups that Texas A&M has. I will say that, just like with Kentucky, Georgia, I'm not ready to make a call on that one. I'm leaning Kentucky. And that one, and then in the LSU Mizzou, the ones that we've pre-gamed, I got no idea. I'm just going to play the over/under in that one. 
Are you going with the uh, the a best bet over in the? Missouri I think so. LGA? Right now, I think I'm going to go best bet over. I mean, it looks like sure it has to okay. almost with what I saw. Gee, do you got any bylaws for the state of Louisiana? Uh, we got a lot of French laws in Louisiana. That's why our bar I bet so they got weirder laws there. Like the fact that for up until like a couple of weeks ago, you could go and drive through a a, a liquor store and get a to go daiquiri. Like that yeah. seems to be a problem. But they, they, don't, put they, a, wait, they put hey whoa 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 they put a piece of tape over it. So oh. it's all good, you know. Okay, good. Put yeah. a piece of tape yeah. over the straw hole. So surely you're going to have integrity. You're not going to just punch through that. Exactly. This is meant for home. Do not enjoy in the car. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right. Uh, before we get out of here today, Big Terp, best bets. Yeah. Take uh, it to the bank or, you know, take your ATM card out and take it to the ATM. We were hot. Money we, were, we came in hot before. We were clo- hey, last week was not far away, though. Yeah, no, no, not far away. But the, the the recipe of you guys were hot, and then you combined forces and had the first same three bets mm-hmm. in pre gaming history had me thinking we were going to sweep the board. And then you start off hot with a win on A and M minus six in the early slate. Yeah, and then it went downhill. UGA minus fourteen was UGA no- never had a chance. That felt like no. a loser the entire game. If you were holding a UGA minus six and a half, like minus 400 ticket, you were lucky to get out of there. All the way. Yes. Oh, by, by the way, hold on now. I think it could have covered. You come out of the locker room and you throw a pick on like the f- second play of the first possession of the second yeah. half. like and, and you gave them a short field and they score right there. Like they weren't going to necessarily drive the length of the field on you. So like Georgia certainly didn't do their part. But I, I may have spoken a little out of turn saying it felt like a loser the whole time. It did feel like it was far-fetched, but if they could have just found a way to do what they did against South Carolina and assert themselves out of the locker room at halftime, maybe we get a chance to cover. Well, and then the other one was South Carolina plus 12, and that that was just one of those where everybody all week was saying this is too many points, this is too many points. Felt like a trap. Yeah. See by 21, and that was not necessarily close to covering. No, no, no. Uh, so a yeah. one and two week brings CD to. Now, do we need to do this oh. here in front of all the people? Oh, no, I do want to just under five hundred and has to under five hundred. <laughs> okay, there you uh, go, there you hey, go. Um, I feel real, good about this, but I'm real, seeing this board clear. Real quick though, I was going to ask you like it seemed too good to be true, right? We bought the bait, we took the hook on the mm-hmm. uh, the South Carolina bait. There is there any that feel too good to be true to you right now as you look at the board this week. The LSU over. Yeah, I mean that one feels too good to be true. The Kentucky, what, looks, Kentucky, Kentucky feels too good. That feels too good to be true, right? That's the one. Kentucky that I'm feels about. like South Carolina last week. Yeah, exactly. Like, like almost I, like, are you kidding me? Like, what's the catch here? Couldn't you see them like hanging in there? Maybe fourth quarter they're down ten, and then they throw yeah. a pick six, and you lose. You know, by seventeen, and Georgia covers. Uh, yeah, I can, because it feels like that's exactly what's going to happen. But you know what? I'm probably going to pick Kentucky to cover. Reach, reach down and knock on that hardwood floor, man. Hey, are you, I'll, hey, I'll are do you, it right here. I got a desk willing, right in front of me. Uh, let, let's do this real quick. All right. We're, we're just making stuff up on the fly. The three massive games in the conference this week, two of which we feel like could decide the, the divisions. Let, let's pick our winners real quick. No spreads, just outright. Hmm. I'm going to go. I guess I'll go Georgia, LSU, Alabama. All right. I'm going Georgia, AM, 
Missouri at home. The the dog home dog gets the win. You know what? You know what? Just because like we were almost all opposite, the hell with it, Kentucky. Oh, yeah, all right. Whoa, we're, hey. we're going the straight opposites it. here. All Why right. not? Let's just go straight opposites. Last week we went, you know. All across the board, kumbaya, it didn't work out. Let's go opposite. Hey, you know what? I think, Hester, you and I, we're opposite on those games, but we can both agree, like, we talked off off air. We want them to show up and be good games. Like, let, yes. let these games turn out to be kind of what we're billing them to yeah. be instead of having it be a blowout one way or another. I agree with you there, and I think, I think we're going to get that this week in week six in the sec all right it is always a pleasure we appreciate you tuning in we'll be back the same time the same place next week shout out to jacob tammy kentucky legend for joining us this week we will see you then enjoy the pregame